are, are parents allowed to read their children's messages? Are parents allowed to read their children's messages? <sighs> the reason I'm laughing is because I sort of feel like this is this could be a trick question. There are three ways this question could be asked. Number one is being asked by a parent who wants me to say that the answer is yes. Number two, the question is being asked by a child who wants me to say that the answer is no. And number three, that someone's actually asking the question objectively. In addition, there, of course, there's two parts to this question. One is the halakhic question of what is the Jewish law about parents invading the privacy of their children? And there's very big differences between younger children and older children as far as these issues are concerned. And I am not really an expert on that subject. I don't know the halachas of this matter. And then there is the, the chinuch aspect, the children, parents involving themselves in what their children are up to for the, help, for the sake of raising their children. So uh, I'm not going to answer the question. I'll talk about the question. Parents have to raise their children. That's their role. And raising their children means not just giving them food to eat and clothing to wear in the bed to sleep in, not only giving them nurturing and love and helping them with self-esteem, but teaching them how to be Jewish and encouraging them to be Jewish. Parents have an obligation to raise their kids and to steer them in the right direction. The fact is that you can't control your children and you don't want to control your children. Controlling your children is not raising them. Controlling your children is delaying their rebellion. Rearing children means doing what you need to do to bring your children to a position that when they're no longer in your home and they're no longer under your roof, and they're no longer under your control, they'll live the way you would want them to live. And everybody understands that in order for that to happen, there's a combination of factors. And one of those factors is trust. One of those factors is that parents need to leave their children alone so their children could make their own mistakes, so their children should feel empowered that what they're doing is theirs and not their parents, so that when they're grown, it's not their parents' Yiddishkeit that they're practicing, it's their own Yiddishkeit that they're practicing. On the other hand, part of that is protecting the children from not favorable exposure and um, basically teaching them right from wrong. And as far as this is concerned, parents do interfere with their children's lives. Parents do tell their children things, demand things of their children, and so on and so forth. But there must be a balance in this. The balance needs to be that the child feels like on the one hand, the parent is the parent and the they're the child. And on the other hand, the parent is giving them the space to become their own person. So if you take all this information and re-ask the question, should parents read their children's messages? The answer to that question is reading your child's messages. Is it gonna help me raise my child? Is it gonna help me produce an adult boy or girl who's gonna be a yid because of themselves, not because of you. You 
gave them the tools, you gave them more than anything else the living example, you gave them more than anything else the love and the safety and the peace and the shalom bias that they grew up in, which are the framework for growing up to be healthy people and healthy yidin, so that when they're grown, they'll serve Hashem. So do I want to read my children's messages or do I not want to read my children's messages? I think one thing is pretty sure. If a parent needs to read his child's messages, he's doing it not to catch his child. In other words, not to see if his child did do something wrong and he can call him out. Children do wrong things. Adults also do wrong things and they don't have parents to parent them. The reason to read your child's messages, if that is correct, is to know where your children are holding. And knowing where your children are holding is very critical in raising them. Which means, if I would read my children's messages, which I don't, I would want them to know. How is that helpful? When a child does something wrong, and you tell them to stop it. Now, when they're four, it works, maybe. When they're two, it certainly works. You can physically stop them by moving them from one activity to another. But when they reach a certain age, you can't make them do things. You can't. And if you could, you don't want to. Because if you make them do things, then they're not doing it. You're doing it through their body, which is just making it look good for the moment, and it's not child-rearing. So you're not looking on your kid's phone to reprimand, say, you know, you're doing this and this is wrong. If children do things that are wrong, children need to be educated, be talked to, and talked to in the kind of way that they're able to listen and take correction. Now, if a child is doing something wrong, and I want to correct my child, and I point out to my child the mistake that he's making, my philosophy in that is less about him stopping to do it now and more about him learning that he doesn't want to do this for, this for the course of his whole life. So there's a lot of patience in parenting, and there's a lot of trust in parenting, and there's a lot of leaving our kids to make their own mistakes and figure things out for themselves. So I think reading your children's messages and calling them out on it, it's not education, it's not education, it's not child rearing, it's, it's criticizing, it's maybe trying to control which is not going to work for their life. It's going to work for today, maybe. And you want to raise them for their life, not for the today. You want to know where your children are holding so you can be able to help direct them. And to be very, very honest, if you need to read your children's phone messages to know where they're holding, we have a much bigger problem. And that is they're not paying attention. Because parents know what their kids are up to without reading their messages. They know about it from their teachers, they know about it from their school, and they know about it from how they behave. They know about it from their body language. Uh, parents know what's going on with their children. And, and I want to finish this um, Q&A, this message, this thought, by, by making a statement about chinuch. Ideal chinuch is, in my opinion, giving children information before they need it. Directing children in a certain direction before it's a fight, before it's difficult. For example, when the kids are very little, we would talk to them about becoming Talmidei Chachomim, and how Torah is wonderful, and how they're going to learn a lot of Torah, and the kids sit at the table and they quell. 
because they don't know what it involves. They don't know how hard learning is. They don't know how hard school is. They're two years old and three years old. And we plant these seeds in their mind and in their imagination that learning time is a wonderful thing. Or a little girl, and you talk about being tzniastic and she's going to be a queen and she's going to be beautiful on the inside. You have these conversations with your children when the test of tzniast is not yet a test. And they gain, they use their imagination to envisage themselves in that model and they want to be that. And the same is true in every aspect. Um, for example, another example, you say to your child, when, you know, when you're going to be big and you're going to be old enough, you're going to go to shul and you're going to sit next to Tati and you're going to daven and you're going to listen to Kriyasa Torah. Um, or to give a more controversial example that somebody actually asked me about and I'm struggling to find an answer, which is why I have not addressed it yet, is uh, you're going to be bigger, I'm going to take it to the mikveh, a boy, take a boy to the mikveh. You do these things when the children don't relate to them as real. It's suggestion. And when the children reach that age, it's natural for them to fall into it because this was the, the philosophy of life that they received. And there's no fighting. It's a very simple process. On the parents' part, it requires an enormous amount of vigilance and awareness. In other words, as a parent, you're always thinking about your children, and you're not just thinking about today, you're thinking about tomorrow, and you're constantly planting seeds. Uh, the way I teach it to my students is that in every home, every home has an ongoing conversation. Uh, they talk about all kinds of things, sitting at the Shabbos table, driving in a car, walking in the street, sitting on the couch, Shabbos afternoon, or Matzai Shabbos at Malava Malka. That conversation is a reflection of what's valuable to that home. And obviously a very important part of that conversation is what the children have to say. But at least when the children are younger, the steerers of that conversation are the parents. They give the direction. And parents want to plant these seeds. They want to open up these conversations with their children and suggest these things to the children when they're not issues so that when the children grow into those stages of life, it's very natural to them. If we don't talk about these issues, and then all of a sudden my kid's nine, and he's not used to going to Shul Shabbos, and I want him to go to Shul, or he's not used to listening to Kesa Teda, and I want to listen to Kesa Teda, I have a fight on my hands. And it's my fault, because I didn't, I didn't educate him. I didn't introduce it to him as something real and important and relevant in his life. Um, and I should have, when he was younger. That's optimum chinuch. Then, of course, there is the Bidyevid, and the best parents experience this, where the child has reached an age where I have a problem, where I need something from my child, or I expect something from my child, or something is right for my child. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it because he's never done it. He doesn't want to do it because he doesn't like it. He doesn't do it because his friends don't do it. He doesn't want to do it because he's rebelling. In other words, we're fighting with our children, and there's play we have to fight with our kids. I, I, I don't think just being nice is parenting. Um, there's a time and place for that too, you know, if we're going to lose our children. All bets are off. There's nothing more important than holding on to our kids, literally, physically keeping them in our homes. But when our child is, so to speak, with the program, they're going to school and they're from and they're more or less respectful and you have an impasse, parents have to choose very carefully the fights they have with their kids. And they have to choose very carefully how they have those fights with their children. And um, reading the messages on their phones is just an example of a thousand things where parents find themselves an impasse with their, with their teenage kids, let's just say. It could happen to nine-year-olds also, but it certainly happens more likely when they're older, where 
the child is not behaving as the parent wishes, and the parent wants them to behave differently, and the parent is having a showdown with that child, and it may show itself, it may express itself in the parent reading the child's messages, and the parent the child is very upset. What is the right answer? The right answer in those cases is you have to ask yourself, what is best for my child in the long run, not in the short run? I don't want to win today's battle and lose tomorrow's war. I want to lose today's battle and win tomorrow's war. And if, if reading my child's messages is not going to, it may cause me to lose today's battle and win tomorrow's war, then, then, it's, then it may be a correct thing to do. I'm not speaking about the halachic part, I'm talking about the educational part. But if reading my child's messages is going to solve a problem for today, that's going to create a bigger problem for tomorrow, maybe I don't want to do that. And instead, I want to start a conversation with my child. And the conversation is a, child, a message, a conversation that should have been had many years before, and it probably wasn't. And the conversation is about connection. The conversation is about closeness. The conversation is about finding common ground with our children. The conversation is about making our children realize that they want what we want and that they have to, at this point, come to it on their own. It's about becoming closer to our children and impressing upon them not that their values are our values, but that our values are their values. Meaning, not that they do what we want them to do because we want them to do it, but they do what we, what we want them to do because they want. And that may take some time and some patience and some wisdom. And lastly, my last thought on this question, let's always remember that there's two parents in a home and uh, hopefully there's shalom bias and usually one parent is better suited to talk to a teenage child about what's going on on their phone than another. And uh, we bounce off each other, right? A couple talks all the time and they talk about their children and who is best in a position to raise a certain issue with a child and to strategize, to plan, to think before you act um, so that you get the best results. And a lot of the mistakes we make with our kids are impulsive. We're, we're upset. We take their failure, their lack of Hasidishkeit or the lack of Yiddishkeit personal as if it's our fault or a reflection on us. It's not about us. It's not about us and it's not about the day. It's about our child and it's about our child's life. Mm -hmm.